0: Welcome to Hit The Six. Uh, it's an early chilly Sunday morning, uh, but Michael, we're here. We're up uh, early. England's doing okay so far in the Test match. Root with another wonderful hundreds. Uh, the rest of the top order not, not shining. Uh, but we'll talk about that Test match more later in, the, uh, later in the week. But, yeah, how are you this morning, Michael? And, wh- and why are we up so early to discuss cricket as ever?
1: I'm good, thanks, Rob. Uh, it's getting easier to get up particularly when, you know, you've got hip six to get up for, makes it much easier. Um, yeah, and watching, waking up to another Root tonne felt, wasn't even surprising, which is nice for Root. wasn't even worried he wouldn't convert that 50. I'm just feeling more confident about him at the moment. So, yeah, lovely time from him. Um, but we are here for a very special occasion. We are here by popular request from the man who's joining us on the show to uh, do a review of the wonderful series of Australia versus India. We are joined by our former university uh, friend from Warwick, all the way from across several ponds,
0: Alex Bevner-Griffin.
1: Welcome, Alex.
0: Morning, Rob. Morning, Michael. Uh, thank you for having me. Where, where are you at the moment in Australia? Whereabouts?
2: Uh, I'm in Melbourne, so, um, which is where I'm from originally. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't, haven't moved or anything since you guys last saw me. Um, but, yeah, um, thankful, thankful to be on here and, uh, and in your company.
0: Well, it's very kind to have you. It's, it's lovely to have a, a real-life, living, breathing Australian to talk about um, a, yet another explosion on a final day of a, of a test match involving Australia where it was all set up to win and it, it never quite happened. We think headingly, we think the third test against India, I think the final test against India. Um, give us your initial reaction on the moment that, uh, that day as it unfolded. I was, I was
1: interested to see whether Rob would continue to be as rude about Australians with you joining us on the show, Alex, but you know, he's answered my question early doors, so
2: yeah. Well, I um, hot off the reference the other, other week, I had to google what the home counties were to see whether you were directing some sort of compliment or an insult. I think it was a compliment, but oh, um,
0: definitely, definitely. Home, home counties is like posh, nice suburban part countryside, part town suburbia around London, full of middle class people who like commute and, yeah, everyone's everyone's very middle class and well and proper. I mean. There's issues with the home counters as well that we won't go into now, but it was definitely meant as a compliment.
2: Thank you. Um, No, I think um, uh, taking each of those days, so I think the the final day in Sydney was one of the really interesting days from an Australian cricket point of view, because it was a game that was really set up for Australia to win and win well. Um, certainly, the the feeling over here was is you know how long into the day would it go for? I think most people were thinking around about a two thirty three o'clock finish. So, I think there was an expectation that India would resist for a while, but that ultimately it was going to be a bridge too far, and um and and it it would eventually fall Australia's way. The way it panned out and how convincingly India played out a draw, and but for. Much of their middle lower order being injured could easily have actually gone on to win that game. Um, I, I think it was not only frustrating but almost, uh, almost a bit, um, almost intimidating, uh, because it, it really did show that Australia were not only unable to to win the game themselves and lacked a threat, but were very much being threatened for most of that day. Um, so it, it was it was a missed opportunity with a bit of a bit of a forewarning as to what was to come in Brisbane Tim Payne let himself down as the day wore on um, in what he was saying and then you know proceeding to proceeding to drop catches as well so there's certainly an indication of frailty um, and and that was really borne out the following week when they, when they went up to Brisbane
1: before we get on to Brisbane Alex just um, you, you spoke quickly about um, you mentioned Tim Payne letting himself down and you know I Thinking about it more and more, the stuff with Smith was really, I think there's a big overreaction to Smith taking his guard. And, you know, Payne didn't say that much worse than anything else we've heard. Like, you know, it, just, it was a couple of swear words. He was just getting a bit stressed because his team were bottling it. But what would you say to my theory that if you open yourself up, you do the series, the test, you make your huge song and dance about redemption and Tim Payne's entire Australian captaincy is kind of based around being a decent bloke. Do you think you open yourself up to you know higher expected standards, um, and do you think that's why the world's come crashing down and quite as quickly as it has, or do you know nonsense?
2: No, I, th- I think that's it. It was a self-imposed standard, wasn't it? It, it, it wasn't. Um, uh, it wasn't an externally projected uh, bar that Tim Payne was expected to reach, or the, or the broader Australian cricket team, and you know Justin Langer and the support staff. Um, it was something that they were very forthright about through the latter part of, especially two thousand and eighteen, going into nineteen, uh, was was that they they were going to really um, open themselves up. One of the main criticisms of them was that they were insular as well as being um, sort of nuclear aggressive in in a way that not only people didn't like but people really. Uh, resisted to within Australia. I think I think there was a bit of a sentiment that uh, the public wasn't so much disengaging as as engaging against some of the stuff that the creative team was doing. Um, that was then really heavily addressed through what what Payne and Langer came out and said through that time, and and is documented in the in the in the documentary you're referring to. Um, so yes, yeah, that they. they they do need to uh, live up to what they publicly project is their uh, is their aim for for how they play the game and it wasn't um, it, it wasn't the worst sort of you know the, the gravest sort of sledging that you've that you've ever heard I, I think um, uh, the act itself you know wasn't um, put it this way I certainly heard worse yesterday now in, in, in the game that I was playing in um, so <laughs> Not as if the, it's not as if the crime itself was horrible in the act. It was just that it, um, I I think it fell foul from a, from a symbolic
1: perspective. Can you um, briefly as well tell us what matesmanship is from your perspective?
2: I've never heard what matesmanship is. Um, I I can't comment on that because it's uh, it's something that I, I first heard actually listening to you guys. So um, yeah, matesmanship completely misses me. I I can't. I can't provide of,
1: me, it was like when Langer took over and he put up all these big stickers on the wall of like the values that the Aussie team needed to be, and the camera panned over them. And I'm pretty, and it was stuff like honesty, respect, integrity, and then there was just matesmanship on the wall. And I just, and I can't, I think it was makes Maybe I need to go double check and look. I'm sure I'm not I think
0: it, it was, it was. I'm sure it was. It was something, if not, it was something so like that, that that word encapsulates it perfectly. I just love it.
1: Anyway, I, I interrupted James, you were on your way towards, along with the rest of India B team, you were on your way towards um, Brisbane. So how how did that play out from your perspective?
2: Um, I had, as the series wore on, I became increasingly admiring of India. Um, and I was feeling quite sympathetic towards them by the time they got to the last game because they had played so well up to that point and also because they were so uh, so battered with injuries. They've used 20 players in four games um, on a tour that's not the longest in uh, on, on the international schedule. So um, that I, I really wanted them to do well. Um, and by the time they were getting close to winning the game, I actually wanted them to win it. It, it was weird, like the um, WhatsApp of the career club that I'm a part of had a couple of likes in it kind of going, is anyone else watching this wanting India to win? And we kind of piped, piped up saying, well, yeah, like this is the, the magnitude of the achievement is outweighing the fact that they're doing it to Australia. And we've had, in one respect, we're kind of victims of our own success from a, from a, a consumer perspective. Because lots of Australian summers have run to a standard form, which results in Australia winning really easily. And having a break from that, I think, has been a really positive thing.
0: Do you, do you like your team? So there are, the England teams go through. There's some teams I really I really like. You really warm them, want them to do well. Certain players in them there are other teams or maybe it's a captain you don't like or you know where you're, you're less bothered to be frank so this for whatever reason this current England team I really like them and I want them to do well so badly but there were towards the end of the, the Strauss, era, Strauss era where we were we were quite good which maybe plays into it and there were a few characters who maybe they weren't the most likeable a Peterson or a Trot and Swan I wasn't so fussed I obviously always want England to win but I wasn't like I was I'm gutted when this team lose I really want them to do well not so much maybe with teams of the past. This Australia team, do you like them? Apart from Pat Cummings, he's obviously the perfect man who we all love. Aside from him, is it, you know, are you not not almost too, obviously you always want your team to win, but are you not maybe so bothered?
2: Um, I think that's a really interesting question. It's a question that i probably ask myself a bit from time to time. I think, um, uh, yeah, it's definitely a matter of, it's it's the sum of the personalities in it. I think. Uh, up until Tim Payne was was made captain, I don't think I had a strong opinion about Tim Payne because he he'd hurt himself about eight or nine years ago. He had, he had a um, he had a finger that was that kept him out for years and years. So I didn't have much of a much of an opinion going going into his captaincy. Um, he said the right words for a time and. It looked as if the team was playing in a relatively kind of harmonious way and, and, and in a sort of unoffensive kind of fashion, which was really good. As a, that was a welcome change. Um, so, look, I think on balance, probably, yes, I think I like them. Um, I think they've got enough good people in it to make it decent. It's not a team full of wonderful blokes. I don't think that's um, a fair characterisation of them. Like, uh, I look through that team and think, um, you know, the one that most recently played, I think I'd probably, I'd probably have a beer with Marcus Harris. Uh, I think I'd, have a, I'd probably have a small beer with Manus Labashane. I think he'd be all right for, a, for a, a little beer. And you kind of work your way through. Um, definitely Pat Cummins I'd have, I'd have multiple with. Um, most of the bowlers, I think, I think are quite all right. Like, um, I like Mitchell Stark, even though he carries himself in a fashion that's not um, necessarily something that you'd like from a player all the time. I think sometimes he looks a little bit, um, a little bit downhearted. But I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a mean-spirited person. Um, Hazelwood, similarly, I think Nathan Lyons, similar to that. Although he was probably one who, in the lead-up to 2018, was probably not as strong a character as what he could have been given he was a senior player at the time. So I think it's a a complex mix of characters and circumstances that makes me say, yeah, mildly favourable.
1: One of my questions would be, like, you've got your David Warners and you've got your Matthew Wades, and obviously they're two different categories of player, like one's a proven test performer, one's a bit of a rotter. He scored a couple of test centuries, but like neither are scoring runs at the moment, and both are questionable characters. David Warner, in particular, I kind of thought you guys might just ease him out entirely, um, because Smith came back in, did so did so well. You obviously want to Smith in your side, but David Warner just seemed to be so much more the troublemaker. I was wondering whether he was just going to get completely scapegoated for the two thousand eighteen incident and eased out. the side and i just wonder like what what would your view be on like the players who maybe who are slightly roger in the 11 people you wouldn't want to have that beer with and they're not scoring runs then why why are they around and you have got i don't know like what about will will oh god i can't pronounce his name rob's gonna laugh at me will pukowski um but he looks like a talent he could come in for Warner at the top like you know you got cameron green coming in the middle order I don't know, could there be a slight change in the guard coming? Wade's now averaging under 30, and these guys are slightly, ugh,
0: anyway. Like, can you just get rid of them Very quickly before you answer that, Alex, I just want to make it very clear that these are the, in terms of opinions of personalities, these are the views of Michael himself, and not of hit-for-six PLC. The you train- don't like Matthew Wade. You do not like Matthew Wade. Like, um, Alex, I'd like to hear your opinion to Michael's Michael's
2: question. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting. I think um, I remember Michael referring to Matthew Wade kind of as as bang average, like incredibly average. You know, I think he made a real point of of um, uh, disclosing just how ordinary he thought he was, and I think that's you know, in a roundabout kind of way. I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> Wade could easily lose his spot. I think that's quite likely now so he'll go probably not to return at this point because he's not a young man and he's made a series of starts hasn't gone on made a big hundred in quite a while um got a couple in 19 on the ashes tour which were which were really handy but haven't had much since um warner is one who will come good because he still averages near enough to 60 in australia and that's very hard to that's very hard to push out um so He'll probably be around for another couple of years. I think. I think he's probably his ambition would be to make the next World Cup and possibly the next tour of England, uh, if his body holds up. He's obviously of, he's had uh, groin troubles more recently, so I think it's a matter of the team changing a little bit now, but being on the brink of of or. Uh, there being greater change on the horizon in, say, two or three years' time because Tim Payne will will probably retire. Um, I think the motivation is for him to go back to the UK uh, and that that might be the end for him. Um, And sort of by that time, you're looking at Warner being another couple of years older, which will push him to 36, 37, I think. So, um, yeah, I I think there is a bit of movement on the horizon for, for Australia
1: there's no there's no question is there with pain going anytime soon because you know in a couple of group chats people were saying to me oh this is going to be pain trouble like surely if India do win this with their severely depleted side pain's going to be gone but i just said i don't think there's any chance of that right like him and langa speak thieves. um i he's he's in no danger do you think
2: no no i don't think he's in any danger at all um because the, it's it's a simple question like you know any team has bad performances. You know, you, you know, you go sack the coach, and the next question is, who who would you replace them with? And you have a devil of a time because there isn't anyone who would be uh, a, a safe and good
1: choice. Smith not a real realistic option. because I've always just assumed that's eventually going to happen. But is that not the case?
2: I think that's not going to happen. Uh, and and I, th- I think that because Steve Smith's public perception in Australia has gone from being the Australian captain to being someone who's a really good cricketer and is almost um, computer hardwired to be a really good cricketer, uh, but but doesn't seem to understand much outside of cricket. So broader the broader notion of of responsibility seems to seems to miss him or or at least did in 2018 um and i don't think he's ever going to get that kind of trust back in the cricket watching public which sounds a bit strange in one respect because it um it makes it sound like sort of public office and in one respect it kind of is because you're nudging towards the position that cricket holds in um sort of australian mythology and national identity and um that means that there are some other, I, th- I think there are probably some other pressures associated with the job in Australia that, that maybe aren't as prominent in other countries. I'm not sure about that, but I think that um, the, the public acceptance
0: question uh, hangs pretty heavily over Smith. And do, do you think that that's something that really that the Australian cricket care about, because the closest equivalent, perhaps, is the captain of the England football team, although a football captain has far less impact on how a team plays and, and that kind of thing. Um, and the wonderful Chelsea legend, John Terry, was England captain for a while. It then got taken away from him. i just, just like to clarify, Alex, these are not the views of Hip6. <laughs> He's captain, leader, legend, mate. But so he, he was captain. It got taken off him for personal misdemeanours. And he thought, OK, probably not going to get it back because he has a, a, maybe a history of not particularly impressive things. It was slashed all over the newspapers, etc. He then gets it back. He then goes and does something bad again and gets it taken off him again. And the second time around, it did feel like game over. But when he kind of got reappointed, people were sort of like, oh, fair enough. He's a good captain. I've always just assumed
1: that would be like, it's interesting hearing you talk about Alex because, you know, obviously I'm not there. I'm not, I don't understand the public mood. But I've always just assumed, especially when he's scoring millions of runs against us, that he's just going to naturally be like, right, he served his time, like he served his ban of a year and he came back and scored runs and he's back now and that's fine. And now we think it's time for him to be captain again. He's grown from it, etc. That's why I always assumed the path was because if you don't have Smith as the next cab off the rank, you're right. I have no idea who the next captain would be, which does make Payne's position incredibly safe. I mean, I guess my next, option maybe would be pat cummins but that just seems too much on pat cummins
2: yeah that name's definitely got um got claims um he's he's been floated as kind of you know with a bit of an upward inflection like could you give it to pat cummins it's
1: so hard you barely give bowlers a captaincy anyway tough
2: I think it would be. Um, I, I think, uh, yeah, you know, on top of all the usual stuff about particularly fast bowlers being captains, um, I, th- I think added to uh, to that would be this ongoing kind of uh, sensitivity around uh, Australian cricket, the Australian cricket team's culture, and I think the job the job has always been uh, an all consuming one but i think it's now quite loaded as well with that with that recent experience of that failure so i think it would be a hell of a job to give it to someone like pat cummins just because he's he does a huge amount anyway and he does it so well it's a real case of you'd be you'd be threatening the goose that lays a golden egg i think um so yeah beyond that nathan lyon maybe just because he played millions of tests and has almost taken 400 wickets so he's safe he's not about to retire but I don't know if he's a great tactician
0: almost 400 test wickets it was one of the enjoyable narratives of that final test I don't know how many needed maybe four four wickets going to the last test He had a whole day to bowl them out and yeah sadly for him to finish and, nice. and India had got, like, a signed shirt already for him as well. Was, like, oh, really? The... Yeah, so he still got it. But it's a memory oh, of the 99th no. <laughs> wicket and a great win for India. It was such a nice, like, kind of gesture.
1: wait, Alex, have you not seen the clip of when he gets presented with it post-game? It's honestly brilliant because I think it's one of the most brilliant bits of, um, uh, like, shit-stirring, like, you know, like, it's, it's brilliant it comes across as a nice gesture and so it's celebrated as a nice gesture but you know the entire India team are wetting themselves because at the end of the final test Nathan Lyon gets presented with Barahane, a signed shirt by the entire England team Nathan Lyon, who just wants the ground to swallow him up at that point, he does not want to be in that test ground and he has to go, ah, oh, thanks mate, yeah, cheers, cheers I just think it's brilliant
2: Beautiful thing. I mean, the the mafia always send flowers to the funeral, don't they? So, um, but yeah, um, I think it would be remiss of me not to mention as well that India played some of the best cricket that we've seen a touring team put up here in a long time. Like that, they've that, that just played incredibly well. Probably the most complete touring performance since England came out here in ten eleven and, is, and you know, played seriously well then and put Australia right out of business. Um, to do it under the duress that they did was, was incredible. Don't, I certainly haven't seen anything like it. And speaking with you know, older members of my family, I don't think they've seen anything like it either. Like they, they've just played a different game. And I think one of the sleeping factors of this as well is that um, Ajinka Rahani's taken over at one nil down, having run out the captain in the first innings of the first test. Yeah, and rebounded with hundred in Melbourne, and tactically been incredibly shrewd, and led them to win and draw the other. So they've won two and drawn the other one uh, when they could easily have dropped all of them. And I think they've been incredible for it. I think he should one hundred
0: percent be captain, like absolutely one hundred percent be captain over Kaylee. Whether they're going to, we spoke about this briefly before our last episode, uh, but. Like Whether they're going to do that, because who's going to be the one who's going to put their hand up and take Coley into a room and tell him, is another matter. But I, I think you should. I think there's a, there's a great case to be said for having your best player, what Australia actually have now. Having your best player free to just play well, likewise with Cummings, where you would want to give him the captaincy. You know, Just let him bowl and, and be great. Just let Coley be that gun for hire who sits in the team. And let your second best batsman, or third, because I think Pujara is amazing. Um, but let, let, let Rohani just... Yeah, captain, and he seems to be all set for it. So, I think for me, from what I've seen so far, no doubt Rahane should be captain.
1: The 100%. only thing I would say, Cody being captain is very good for Test cricket because Cody really does like Test cricket. He backs Test cricket, so it's the strongest format. And with his following and as captain, it's really good for Test cricket. But I do agree, like from a tactical perspective, Rahane would be a better choice. Cody struggled with captaincy in the IPL as well. like it's too intense, I think.
0: I mean, Premers remember my my very. Um, Laser fair captaincy style at the University of Warwick. It was, um, yeah, the opposite of Virat Kohli in every way. I think.
2: Yeah, so I was just going to compare you with Virat Kohli as very like for like,
0: and the Iron Fist just flashed across
2: my mind there. But um, you know, we each have our own, uh, we each have our own interpretation of the fact.
0: Well, indeed, you know, the whole, the, all, all, of to take a postmodernist perspective, we you know it's ultimately it's, it's through the lens of our own language that we that we view the world and understand it. Uh, but anyway. We digress. Um, we've only got a few minutes left, so I just want to get to almost the crux of it. How much was this defeat Australia's fault, Paul Bowling, who didn't perform up to scratch, and how much was it genuinely India performing in a way that if you change the bowling attack and you had Glenn McGrath and Shane Warne and et cetera playing, would it, could India still have won that, on that final, particularly on that final day? We're not talking so much series at large, but on that final day, yeah, how much was that just brilliant India and how much was it mm, Australia could have, could have been better?
2: Uh, I think to take the India perspective first, I think they have done everything right from Boxing Day onwards. Um, so I, I, I would be inclined to attribute a lot of that result to, to India playing well. I didn't think that Australia... Did a huge amount wrong necessarily? They didn't bat well in Melbourne. They've made two two pretty low scores in Melbourne, Um, so they they were definitely the architects of their own downfall to an extent there. Uh, But apart from that, it's yeah we weren't the ones that got bowled out for 36. So it it wasn't as if we had these really horrible aberrations that that really cost us. You know, both teams dropped catches. It was a series where a hell of a lot went wrong in one way or another for for both. Uh, But there were times in each of the games where it was very much in dispute. And it often turned out to be, you know, later the fourth day into the fifth day. More often than not, India were on the better end of those periods than what Australia were. And I think they showed a huge amount of, particularly mental fortitude to make that happen. Australia didn't bowl offensively badly on the last day in Brisbane. Uh, but India certainly batted well and looked largely untroubled for much of the day. Um, so it, to your question about, you know, if Shane Warne had been playing, if you were to drop him in, I think with, by his commentary, he was pretty well ready to play as well But our final afternoon. He was good to go. Um, I think a player like Warne could have could have given them some real trouble and made life very hard. think I think, and that's probably one of the things that um, someone like Nathan Lyon may struggle with a bit, is that he is, to a degree, living in, in that shadow as the next long-term spin option after Warn. Uh, but yeah, they just they lacked that extra bit of venom or threat or a bit of something different to really challenge India. They've they've won those games or drawn those games with quite. Uh, quite a, with a fair bit of ease by, by the time they actually got to it. So I, I think you have to. I think you have to give India a lot of credit.
0: It's It's interesting though because we were one would say that Australia's bowling attack is is pretty good. I mean, compare it to most teams around the world. Those seamers Stark, Hazelwood, Cummings, and you've got guys like Pattinson who can come in as well. Are top level seam bowlers like some of the best quicks going? And Nathan Lyon is as consistent. A spinner that there is in terms of you know performance over a longer period of time, a load of wickets. I mean, you can I take him in Sri Lanka right now for England over the guys we've got playing. So it's not like it's a particularly weak bowling attack yet. It's a bowling attack that has now twice overseen Test matches that you thought Australia have got this sewn up, and they've then not only just been draws but they've lost. So Brisbane, Headingley, 2019. I mean, it hasn't really happened to many other teams quite like that. on pain at all as well.
1: Like, do you think it's to do with Payne's captaincy a little bit in these pressure situations?
2: I don't think Tim's a great tactician necessarily. Um, I, I don't think uh, I don't think he's um, I don't think he's a dud. You know, I think I think it would be really it would be really harsh to put him in the you know in the black can't kind of captain. He's just there because he's a. Because um, he's a safe option, I, th- I think he's better than that. But I, I think he's a pretty middling sort of captain. Uh, I, I think, yeah, there could have been, there could have been a bit of um, a bit of variety to what what he brought to the table at times. Bearing in mind, I mean, of course, in Sydney he's dropped three catches in the last day. So if 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 he'd held those, then you're probably looking at Australia winning the game. Um, In Brisbane, they could have done with a bit more variety in their bowling. Um, They bowled a sustained period of short pitch balls at Pajara, which would have hurt him a lot, but didn't actually look like getting him out most of the time. Um, And it was incredibly, again, credit to India. Pajara bats really bravely and doesn't look troubled from a wicket point of view. I think Mike Hussey was saying in commentary on the last day, he looks like he's going to do real damage to himself, but he doesn't look like getting out he's got wicket preservation but not self-preservation so they could have done with throwing some other stuff around you know part-time bowling options some of those things i think may have been missed um but again yeah india have have really carried uh those those bigger stages and games sort of through to the finish and um that's why they've won the
0: series Fair enough. It Sorry. makes
1: me worried about both the Ashes, because I think, you know, the, your bowlers are going to have a point to prove against us, but also much more worried in the immediate future about us going to India, because I think that can be really tough against the mostly India first 11. Um
0: So that'll be interesting. Hopefully we bat okay. I mean, our openers look like they cannot play spin. So that's a bit of a worry. They're to for a thousand runs. Like, Joe is going to have... I think he will, because the picture is, whenever we've gone there, it's been so flat. Like, they have had they had a Blake, Kiran Nair, what number was he batting? Seven? Scored or six, he scored a triple hundred against us. And we scored 500 in the first innings, and see they scored 750. So I, I think they're going to be really flat pitches, and my worry is is the lack of a lack of, um, a lack of yeah, batting firepower. And um, but Alex, we, we're about to run out of time, and so we'll have we'll have to go. But where where next for Australian cricket for you? Do you think it's just roll on, leave it behind, or any changes to come in, in, in the coming months ahead?
2: Oh, a little bit of, I I think a little bit of change is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, They've obviously come off a a pretty long layup given the way 2020 planned out more broadly. So um, a, a little bit, I would be inclined not to change a huge amount, but I think they need to find a couple of, you know, a couple of players. They've got to sort out the opening batting spots and they, I mean, Warner will be one of them, but they have to find the other one and they've got to sort out number five. So there's a little bit of change to come. Um, I don't think it's a matter of throwing everything out and starting again or, or, you know, wholesale changes. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a catastrophe, um, but they'd be foolish if they didn't do a little bit on those spots just to hone things.
0: Nice. Well, we'll see where it goes. We've got on Ashes next year. We may be catching up more often, particularly if England are doing, are doing all right. If we're getting pumped, we, there might be a bit of radio silence, um, at least in terms of us reaching out to you. i have uh, been very kind of you to join us. Enjoy the lovely hot weather in Melbourne. And yeah, have a have a very happy 2021, whatever it has in store for us all.